0: because I don't know if you saw some headlines this week how that Friday uh, a coven of witches in Brooklyn New York was saying prayers against uh, several of our elected officials and different things so this stuff is real spiritual warfare is real and we're going to talk about that next week as we prepare for what's going to happen on Wednesday so Pray that you'll be here and I pray that you'll invite somebody to be here so that we learn what the word of God says about these kind of things and I think that you'll be surprised. So if you would and and don't forget next Saturday. Next Saturday is our fall festival and we're going to have the hay rides. We're going to have cookout chili contests. There's a sign-up sheet for some food on the back table. So pray that everyone would come. We're going to have weather permitting games outside inside all kinds of things starting at about four o'clock so come on you can come earlier and just play and hang around and put stuff together but uh come on out let's bow real quick for a a prayer as we prepare our hearts and our minds give me a hug huh good to see you as we prepare our hearts and our minds for um, the word of god this morning father we thank you for your son jesus we thank you for your amazing grace your mercy your love for us you loved us so much that you gave us your son as a payment for our sin you also loved us so much you gave us a book your word with your thoughts your mind revealed in it for a road map for us and father as we break open the most important thing that we could lay our eyes upon the word of god we pray that your holy spirit is here this morning we pray for hearts to be receptive to your word we pray for your word and your spirit to work mightily in our hearts and minds this morning and make it real May we be challenged, may we accept what we hear today from your word, in Jesus name, amen. And you guys, if I step on your feet, it's okay, but I'm a walker, I pace back and forth. All right, you want to turn your Bibles this morning, if you haven't, to the book of Luke chapter 7, that's going to be our, our text for today. You know, the Word of God is actually just His communication to us. It's, it's Him talking to us. Um, he created us. He knows us. And He is lovingly giving us His Word for divine guidance in our life. It says that everything that is written herein, that the Word of God contains everything that is pertinent to life and godliness. Whether it's in how we worship him or how we live our life, it contains everything that is pertinent for that. So as we search Luke chapter 7 today, think of this as God talking to us and trying to reveal some things to us. All of us have come here this morning with a different experience, different Levels of how long we've been in the Lord or not been in the Lord. All of us come with different expectations, with different problems, difficulties. Life is tough. But we come here for encouragement, we come here to learn and to see what God has in store. And I pray today that we're going to cover a few categories. We're going to talk about doubts a little bit. You ever doubted? I look around. I don't see too many people that's probably ever had any kind of doubts about life. So consider this preventative medicine, okay? This is for a time when you think you're going to doubt, but you're really not going to. Some of us come in feeling, I'm not really worthy. Amen. I... uh, If you could see me when the word of God all week long is pounding on my heart and my soul and the tears rolling down before I ever get here to share it with you. Many times it's like I am so unworthy. But thank you, Father, for allowing me to be a servant of yours. If you feel that way, I hope today encourages you that you're it's not about us being worthy. It's about what he did for us. Some people come and think that they're just great. Some people think, well, none of this applies to me. Well, there's a guy in here that we're going to talk about today just like that as well. And then there's a lot of people that's going to be bystanders that's going to have a decision to make. So all of these different nuances is going to be permeating our talk this morning in Luke chapter 7. You know, we talked about doubters about john the baptist you know as we prepare for luke chapter 7 luke opens up with the story of john and his dad was serving in his course of the priest and an angel actually came to him inside that temple and said even though you guys have been barren and you're way past childbearing age i am going to tell you this that god is going to present you with a son And he's going to be great. And he's going to be the one who prepares the way for the Lord. He's going to be that voice that's crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. He doubted. He said how can this be? He said because you doubted what the Lord's telling you. You're not going to talk until after he's born. You're going to be stricken dumb. And he came out. They knew he had saw something. But he couldn't tell them what he saw. John was a child of promise he was a promised child that he was going to be great it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb whenever Mary came because she had now been told that she was going to bear the Christ child and when she came to see her aunt it says that that child leapt within her womb and it did flips because the anointed one was in the presence and this man spent his time preparing himself in the desert, waiting for when he was to be revealed. And there he was at the River Jordan. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said, Would you baptize me? And he said, Oh, no, Lord, I need to be baptized of you. I'm not worthy to even touch the latchet upon your sandal. And he said, No, we've got to fulfill all righteousness. And with that, John baptized him. And John saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending as a dove and lighted upon him. And he heard the word of God say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He saw all this and he continued his ministry in Luke chapter 3. It gets to the point to where he said the word of God to a man named Herod who was in charge of this area. And Herod had a brother named Philip, and he liked Philip's wife Herodias, his brother's wife. And he took her, and John preached against that to him, plus the evils that was in his life. And so Herod shut him up in prison to shut him up from being able to talk to him about these things and spread news in the country. Four chapters later, we get to Luke 7, and he's still in prison This great man of God. And you know what he does? He begins to doubt. He has these doubts and these fears. And he he hears that Jesus has chosen some disciples. And they're doing great works. And he sends two of his disciples to Jesus. Well there goes the future of the church doesn't it? So John begins to doubt. And he sends two of his servants and says go talk to him and ask Jesus are you the one that we search for or look we for another this man had doubts but yet he had saw this he knew that he was a child of promise he heard the story of the angel coming to his father He baptized Jesus and saw the heavens opened and yet in a troubling time he had doubts and he sent him. and you know what Jesus reassured him he didn't condemn him and say you should know by now of all people no he said watch and it says that he did many wonders right there and healed the people and he said, now go back to John in prison and tell him what you have saw and that I am the one that you seek. And then Jesus turns around to those who are standing there and said, what did you go out to see when you heard him talk? Did you go out to see a reed shaken in the wind? And then he says, I tell you, up there in verse 28, that among those who have been born of women, there's not a greater prophet Than John. But then he says something else. He says, But I tell you something else. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. You say, How can that be? Well, let me tell you something. It comes down to faith. It comes down to faith because you and I have some doubts, don't we? But be reassured. He had doubts about Jesus and yet he had been a child of promise he had seen the heavens open he walked with him he talked with him and yet he had a doubt so greater is all of us who will believe in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because we haven't had that privilege and opportunity what did Jesus tell Thomas the one we call the doubter He said, when he reached his hand and touched Jesus. He said, Thomas, blessed are you because seeing you believed. But blessed are all of those who have not seen and yet still will believe. Greater is the folks of this generation because all we have is something which is even more powerful. And that's the word of God to convict our heart. We haven't saw him. In person. So if you ever have doubts. It's okay. He understands. Because he said. Even my cousin. Who had all of these privileges. At times doubted. So don't you worry about that doubt. You just hang on. You just keep walking with me. And you keep trusting with me. Because greater are those. Who haven't seen and believed. Because you believe in true faith. And there's going to be times that we doubt. And that brings us all the way up to the meat of our text for today. And the word for today is grace in more than one way. Grace is our word for today. And it's about grace orientation. Verse 36 up here. One of the Pharisees has invited Jesus to dinner. This man doesn't just ask one time because this is in an imperfect tense. And it says that he asked and he asked and he asked. He's been on him and on him. Won't you come and dine with me? Finally, it says that Jesus submitted to that and he went and he dined with this man. And it goes there and it actually says that he reclined. The actual word and some of your versions will have that is he reclined at the table with the man. It was a friendly invitation. But what was the motive behind it? We'll find out soon. So he reclines there. And then I like what it says in verse 37. This should be in bold and underlined. Behold. It should read. Ah! Look who just came into my house. Behold. This woman comes into my house. She's there for a specific purpose. She's not supposed to be there. Let me tell you about the custom of this time period. This Pharisee is well-to-do man. He's one of those, they were the ones who were self-righteous. And they would go around blowing the trumpets when they prayed and said, Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that person there. So, Jesus has become popular. All of the people are following him. And so he says, come into my house. I want you to come and have dinner with me. And when, in this time period, the culture was that when you come into the house of someone like that, they put on a show. They would open the windows, the doors, and it was public knowledge that this was going to happen. And folks would come flocking around and listening outside. It was their entertainment. They don't have TV and radio we still do the same thing today. How many people turn on the TV at night for entertainment tonight or e-weekly or stand and look at the people magazines and the different things as you stand in line at the store? We have always been a people who are nosy and interested in the business of other people, especially those who are popular and big shots or famous, and we want to see what they're doing and what, what's going on, don't we? So the custom was they enjoyed this publicity and it would be advertised. We're going to, I'm going to hold a big dinner. I've invited Jesus to this dinner. So people are gathering around on the outside of the house. Not only that, but it also made them feel good because after these big dinners, another custom was when you were done, you would step back And the people would flock in who were lesser folk and eat the scraps that are on the table. Yeah. That was something that they did because they didn't have the same kind of food that these rich people had. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Do you remember why Lazarus was laid daily at the gate of the rich man's house? It says because he would like to have something of the scraps of the rich man's table. What about the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus asking that, she would, that he would help her child? And Jesus said, it's not good to give the children's food to the dogs, is it? And she said, but Lord, even the little dogs stand around the table and desire the scraps from there. And he said, man, I've not seen so much faith. So you see, it was custom. And it was something that happened was that the people would gather around and when they left, well, this was a banquet for them. What was left over was a banquet for them. So they all gather around to see what's going to happen and what's going to take place. So now, oh, have mercy, though. He never thought that this woman was going to walk into the house and go to the feet of Jesus. She's a believer in Christ. You say, how do you know that? I see a change in this woman already. She wouldn't have dared come into that Pharisee's house. She knew what they think of her. This is not territory for her. She's a fish out of water. But her faith has become so real. And her love is so strong that she wants to thank him. And you say, how do you know that? Because the word up there for knowing... And that Jesus was reclining at the table. Because that word is epinosis. Let me tell you the difference between gnosis and epinosis in the original language. Gnosis is knowledge. And that's like you've heard. How many people has been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, I see a couple of hands. You've got epinosis. Me, i got gnosis. Because I've read about it. I've saw a documentary about it, but I haven't experienced. I haven't been there. Gnosis is knowing about something, but never having a personal experience with it. Epinosis is knowledge that's built upon knowledge because of a personal experience or relationship. So when it says that this woman epinosis that jesus is in there and that she needs to go there and he's reclining at the table she has been following him and she knows about him and she has made a decision that he is lord and going to be the lord of her life and that is why this woman comes on in she comes on in and she stands there at the feet of jesus and it says she came for a specific purpose she went and got her alabaster box of ointment. She wanted to be able to express her love and her thankfulness by anointing his head at this table. And so she's patiently waiting for her chance. She's there at his feet. And I guess that to have that faith, she was probably one of those when we had the other scripture on the board about John and Jesus then went about Healing those people and sent the message back to John. Tell him what you've seen. Verse 19, I believe it was there, said that many people heard and believed. She was probably one of those who was hanging out and was listening to what was going on as Jesus taught. And now she's got her chance to go and meet him personally, she's hoping. she should have, She's witnessed this. Now she's there at the meal and... She's ready for him, but not for what she finds in there. Because let me give you something else that goes on. It says that she's at his feet weeping. And this word for weeping is a deep emotional weeping that comes from the soul. And it describes tears that fall like raindrops. I've got a couple of ideas why. I think, first of all, she's so thankful. She's so thankful for her Savior. But I think also that it's beginning to really impact her where she's at. Because this Pharisee that would be holding this... Um, go ahead and give me the next, next slide. I know I'm all over the place. I've not even looked at my sheets, Tanya, to show you where I'm at. The custom of the day, whenever they would hold this kind of a, of a meal... Was to recline. And you would recline on a mat. On your left hand. And with your right hand you would eat. And all of the folks that he would have invited. Would have been like minded people like himself. People like the Pharisees and the scribes. They are all gathered around. Now the host would either be. Usually across the way. From the guest. Because that way they can see each other and talk. So if Jesus is lying here and his feet are here and the woman is here, guess who's straight across from her? The guy whose house she has just walked in. And this guy's not very happy that she walked into his house and has disrupted the dinner party. And he sees her. And he's not happy. And all of a sudden she's like. Did I make the right decision. To come here at this time. Because these folks know about my former life. It says that behold a sinner walked in. A woman who was a sinner. And that word means in the masculine. It was for openly. Violent openly regarded in the public's eye types of things robberies and and stuff in the feminine which it is here because it's talking about her it was usually talking about someone who was sexually active and the public knew it and so this is the woman and now she's getting these stares from everybody across the table She's been forgiven because in a minute Jesus is going to say that your sins have been forgiven. It's in past perfect tense. She's been forgiven already because she's already believed in him. She's changing her life by bringing that alabaster box with ointment to anoint his feet. But these people aren't letting her let go of her past. And that's a shame. In the presence of Jesus, a believer who has asked for forgiveness now has no past. All things have been blotted out. And as far as the east is from the west, it's been blotted out. And your sins are forgiven you. But this guy is looking at her. And she begins to weep. And she's humble in her weeping. She won't even look up now over there across from it. The table at those who are staring. And you know why I think that? Look what the scripture says. Where's her tears falling? On his feet. If she was looking up across the table at these people from his feet, the tears would be rolling down a cheek and onto your clothing. When you're bent over, the tears fall at the feet. She can't even look up now. At what's going on. And I don't even know where I'm at. As those tears. Continue to fall. It says. That they fell on his feet. And you know what they formed? Dirt drops. It's a scientific term. I came up with this week. Dirt drops. You ever had a car. That was dusty and it just sprinkled a little bit and it left all of these spots on there. Dirt drops. <laughs> he's, he's walked through the dusty street. Dirt all over his feet. He's supposed to have had him washed by the host, but the host didn't wash his feet. And as she has been over in humility at the Savior's feet and her tears are falling... She sees the dirt drops welling up. You know what else she does in humility? She lets down her hair. And she bends over and continues weeping and wiping his feet with her hair. That is something that a woman in that culture didn't do in public. But in all love and humility, she did. Because you know what she did by doing that? She gave up her glory. 1 Corinthians says that the hair of the woman is her glory. Is that right? When she let it down and she washed dirt off his feet, she said, my glory is compared to nothing like the glory that you give. And I humbly submit to you as my Savior. And she's washing his feet not only with tears... But with her hair. And she weeps. And then she begins to kiss his feet. And then it says. This is how I knew that that guy was across the table looking at her. Because it says there that. When the Pharisees saw it. He said something within himself. He started talking inside here in his brain. And I'm going to remind you something that we talk about all the time in Proverbs. It says that as a man. Thinketh in his heart, so he is. So what was going on in here is what really is what this man is like. And he begins to think to himself. And he says, he sees what's going on and it's disgusting to him. It's disturbing and it's in my house and my reputation is getting soiled by what's going on here. And he says this. Your scripture and that one says this man, but it just says this. And it's a term of disgust. He's looking at Jesus. Who he thought that people are saying a prophet. And maybe even the son of God. And he's all of that. And he's thinking maybe I can gain from him. If I can befriend him and invite him into my house. And get him on my side. Play a little politics. So he's invited him in. And things aren't going the way he plans. And he looks over there. And sees that this woman is washing his feet and touching him and kissing his feet and it disturbs him. And he says, this, this man, if he were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman, who and what she was, it says in the scripture. If he, this guy, knew who and what she was, he wouldn't be letting her touch him then something shocking happens. It says, Jesus answered him. What? Verse 40. Jesus, I thought he was thinking this in his head. He didn't say anything out loud. Mental note. Jesus knows your thoughts. The word of God says, That the scriptures are alive and powerful. And it's able to discern between the soul and the spirit. The bones and the marrow. And the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He had read his mind. Because he is also son of God. And he answers his thoughts out loud. And he says, Simon. Simon. (laughs) Got a question for you. I bet that rocked his world, didn't it? I mean, here he is in this mental evils that he is thinking. And all of a sudden, he gets brought out of i got a question for you. Well, say it. Say it, teacher. Say it. And he doesn't use the highest term of respect. He uses didaskalos, which is teacher. Not like a higher form or master or lord like some people who are believers. And this is why we know he's not yet converted. And he says, say it, teacher. And he goes to give him a parable there. And he says this, Simon, listen, there was a certain creditor that had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other owed 50. And when each of them had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, and I said, now get his answer. He's not really interested in what Jesus has to say. I suppose it would be the one that's forgiven of the most. He said, you've rightly judged. You're going to go to double jeopardy. He said, you've rightly judged. And then it says he turned to the woman, but yet he was talking to Simon. He's no longer, he's talking to him, but he's, his eyes is focused in another area and he turns to the woman he says Simon do you see this woman I entered into your house and you gave me no water for my feet but she has washed my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair of her head you gave me no kiss no salutation on the cheek when I came in you don't want a personal relationship with me But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. You know why they anointed heads with oil? Where was their heads at? Up by the table and everybody's heads is right there. You want to smell the food, not everybody's sweat. So it was custom when you walked into somebody's house and you were going to set at a meal that you washed the dirt off of their feet. You had a towel ready to dry that off. You gave them a salutation that you was happy that they're there. You did these things. And he says, You've not done any of them. But she has done that. And she, you didn't want to waste your oil on me, but she's brought every little bit that she has, and she has anointed my feet. Therefore, this is a term of conclusion. Therefore. I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And that's the point where it says that this is perfect tense. It's gone. And she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven because you don't ask? Little is forgiven. And the same one loves little. You know what this parable is saying? your life demonstrates how much you love how you live your life and what you do demonstrates how much you love a changed life is the greatest evangelistic tool that there is in the world and the more sin the more opportunity for change but jesus don't want you to stay that way he'll tell another woman This woman's already repented and walking the right way because he's going to tell her, go in peace. Another woman who hadn't yet believed in him, he told her to go and sin no more. But this woman has already made up her mind. That's why she's here. She's gave up her life. She's asked for that forgiveness. And the changed life is being demonstrated here. And so those who sat at the table began to say within themselves they didn't learn that he could read simon's thoughts so they began to say within themselves who is this who even forgives sins jesus turns to the woman and he says your faith has saved you go in peace you see at that point He had read their thoughts as well and they had no interest in him as well so he turns his complete focus onto the one who wants to hear his words and he tells her to go in peace. And I want to tell you all the conclusion of this parable. Two men had debts and they couldn't pay. We all have a debt we cannot pay. See that was the key word there. They couldn't pay. The wages of sin is death, and we all have a debt that we cannot pay. And so, when the when the man who was the 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 one who the debt was owed says he forgave the debt, what that means is that he took upon himself the loss and the debt that was owed and paid it himself. We have a debt that we cannot pay. But God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believeth in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. And that Son, for God, paid the debt that we could not pay. And it doesn't matter if you committed one sin, and you're like the one who owed 50 denarius, or you've committed a million sins, and you're like the one that paid $500. you are in the same boat. Because we got a debt that we cannot pay. The only way to have that debt taken away is for someone to pay it. And Jesus paid the debt. And if you do not trust in Him as the one who can take your sin away then you're going to stand on your own merits before God on that day and he's going to say I you can't pay this debt and you didn't trust in my son who could pay that debt for you and therefore depart he turns to the woman because they've all made up their mind that they're not going to believe in him yet when it says that they said this within themselves they were thinking they didn't come to the proper conclusion so he turns to her and he says woman your sins are forgiven go in peace go go in peace of mind peace of heart peace of life this is a total peace rest assured And it's in a perfect tense. Your sins are blotted out. They are gone. So why do we continue. To have doubts. To have fears. And to stay in guilt. For something that's gone. As our worship team returns. I pray. That these words from our Lord will penetrate our hearts and our lives that you will realize that as far as the east is from the west i have blotted them out if you believe in me but we all have a debt to pay and there's only one who can take that debt away i pray that no one leaves here today a doubter fearful indifferent I pray everyone here today makes a positive decision for Jesus Christ. To believe in him in the name of the only begotten son of God. And you shall see life. Please don't leave today without making that choice. Because we're not promised tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing grace that we have saw from your son. And how that this woman, the world, would look upon the exterior and say that the Pharisee, oh, he must be righteous, and that woman, we know who and what she is. But you say, I know the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I know who trusts me and loves me and asks for forgiveness and I know who doesn't. And that's the only thing that matters. It matters not what anyone else across the table or anywhere else that we are at thinks about me. It's what I think about Christ. And if I have that personal relationship, nothing else matters. And he focused all of his attention to the one who did. And says go in peace. And Father I pray. That your word. Which is your power unto salvation. Will be powerful. And perform its work today. And every day. As we not only proclaim it here. But in our lives with the changed lives. To evangelize those that we come in contact with. And we ask this. In the blessed name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.